Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on spiritual warfare. Hey, good morning. Guys, I'm um, really excited as we wrap up our spiritual warfare series today. And over the last seven weeks, this has been one of the most intriguing, fun, uh, challenging series that I think we've done here in a while is we've looked at overcoming issues like depression, chemical dependence, self-centeredness. Uh, it's been a very powerful, powerful time. Last week's message, uh, just on the piece of overcoming sexual addiction, sexual bondage, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good feedback. And we even had a meeting last Sunday here uh, for people that wanted to come, uh, led by my buddy Chet Fowler, and uh, just very, very rich, uh, good stuff to see people move toward uh, freedom in their walk with Christ. And if I had to title our talk today, I would title it Overcoming Financial Bondage uh, because so many people have uh, experienced debt and difficulty when it comes to finances over the years. And I, I really do believe uh, that this word today is going to be encouraging and freeing for many of you that are sitting there. So let's pray and let's open our hearts and really just anticipate uh, the Holy Spirit doing a work in us this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for just an incredible time of worship, uh, songs of celebration, and adoration to you. Lord, you're good. You're God. And I pray that each and every one of us would find our joy, our strength, our resolve in you. You're our refuge. You're our hiding place. Lord, you tell us that if... Uh, if we will look to you and keep our minds fixed on you, you will keep us in perfect peace. So I pray that peace, the peace of Christ would saturate this room. Uh, every person that would, that would listen online, even today, I pray that you would do a work in their lives that we would draw closer to you and, and deeper in our dependence on you. In Christ's name, amen. So here, here's the reality and this is the reality all of us have been living in uh, at least for the last 14, 15 months. The times and the days have been very crazy, very chaotic, very uncertain, and it's been some unprecedented uh, times that we have found ourselves living in over the last 15 months. And for many people, for many people, and you've had conversations with friends and family members, and this would be true. The pandemic and the COVID shutdown has hit some people very hard. And as a result, there's a lot of people that have experienced financial difficulty. Uh, I've talked to many people. Salaries were reduced. The amount of hours were cut back. Uh, people have experienced pay cuts if you're in the construction business, you know that the prices of uh, lumber and different things have doubled and almost tripled. And even my buddy Tommy, we've talked, it's been hard to find certain materials at times. Uh, the price of food continues to uh, be on the rise. And it's kind of like being on a bumpy, turbulent flight right now. I mean, we're all kind of fastened in and we don't know exactly even what the next days and weeks and months are going to look like, okay? It's crazy times. It's chaotic. I want to introduce you today 
And, and many of you have probably ne never read this little three-chapter book, Buried in the Old Testament. But I want to introduce you today to a guy by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a minor prophet. He was a prophet of God. Prophets were those people set aside and anointed by God to take God's message to the people. Okay, A priest was those that would intercede on behalf of the people to God. The prophet was the spokesperson of God taking a message to the people. And God speaks to Habakkuk. Three chapters. Read it. I've read it many times over the, the last week, and I, 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 I've really just become uh, so in love with this book, okay? But God speaks to Habakkuk and says, here's what I want you to uh, know, and here's what I want you to be prepared for. Uh, difficulty and hard times are coming for the people of Israel. The people of Israel have become extremely arrogant. They've become saturated with pride. If you read chapter 2, you've got all this murder going on. You've got drunkenness going on. You've got all this idol worship going on. Sounds a lot like America. And, and many of us have been hurt and confused with what's been happening over the last 15 months. But much like Habakkuk, God looks at him and says, uh, I'm about to send forth judgment on my people, that their rebellion their, their reckless living, their inability to focus on me and worship me. I'm about to send forth some major judgment. And God's going to allow Israel to be invaded by an enemy nation, a foreign nation. And as a result, when this foreign nation comes in, the people are going to suffer greatly. And they're going to lose not 20% or not 50%. But the warning is, for many, they're going to lose everything. They're going to lose everything. And that was the warning that God had given to Habakkuk. So read those three chapters, and then you get to those last few verses in the book of Habakkuk. Listen to what Habakkuk says, even after God has declared that he's about to bring down ruin and destruction on Israel, Habakkuk makes this observation, this proclamation to the Lord. He goes, though the Fig trees have no blossoms. And though the, the grapevines, they have no grapes on them. And even though the olive crop fails, and even though the fields are lying empty and barren, and even though the sheep die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, e even if all hell breaks loose and we lose everything, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign God, the sovereign Lord is my strength. When all hell breaks loose, everything is unpredictable. What an incredible attitude. This is the right perspective and the godly perspective that I believe, I believe, I believe the Lord desires for each and every one of us to have. He declares, the Lord is my strength. My joy is anchored in the Lord alone. My joy is not anchored in circumstances, etc. So it's so, so important as we contemplate where we're at to kind of get Habakkuk's attitude and perspective and mindset as we walk through difficulty. 
And, and those three statements he makes there is basically saying, even though the future looks rough, and even though our present current circumstances are different, uh, difficult, and even though all of our past savings may be spent, I, I, God, I'm leaning into you. So here would be the question. Here would be the question that I think each and every one of us must ponder and contemplate. What should be the attitude for a Christ follower to have toward finances, toward wealth, toward materialism, toward whatever? What should be a follower of Jesus' perspective when it comes to all of this money, wealth, etc.? Three things right here, right out of the gate. Even though the future looks rough, the fig tree has no blossom and there's no grapes on the vine. That literally is the imagery of the things that you're counting on for the future. The future, the harvest is going to come. The figs, the grapes, the fruit, it's the future. Here in a few months, here in about five or six months, we've planted, and what's going to happen is we're going to be able to go in and reap and have fruit. We're going to have fig and grapes. And he goes, even if none of that happens, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And for some of us, we've been kind of anticipating maybe a promising future. For some, you're like, man, I've been waiting for the right job offer. I've been waiting for a raise. I've been waiting for that promotion, but it hasn't happened. Is it rocking your world? For some of us, you may be concerned about the stock market. I mean, you've invested into the future, and you're sitting there going, all right, my future money that I'm counting on being there when I retire, is it really going to be there? For, for so many, it's like, will that money that has been taken out by the government called social security, will there be anything there for me in the future? And there's a lot of people that are aching and hurting as they think about the future. It may be, uh, and we've talked about this, what kind of world would my kids live in? What kind of world is my grandkids going to live in? For some singles, it may be, will I ever get married? And for some people that are battling addiction and bondage, it may be, will I ever experience freedom? Or am I going to be chained to this stuff for the rest of my life? Here's the question. Here's the question. No matter what happens in the future, will you rejoice in the Lord? Is the Lord enough? It is the joy of the Lord central in your life. And I think for so many believers, they have gotten ripped off because they're attached to the future and they can't enjoy today because they're concerned about what's over the horizon. What's going to happen? And then he goes on to say, even if your current circumstances are difficult, he uses the phrase, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit and, and, and they produce no food. These are the things that you're counting on today. It's like, man, I'm counting on this to provide for what we need today. I met with a buddy of mine uh, this week, this past Wednesday, and Dustin and, and Ronnie and my buddy Steve, we went over to meet with uh, my buddy Scott Linebrink. Scott Linebrink is with a ministry called Water Mission. 
incredible display uh, of what they're doing globally. Uh, they had this display over at the Mall of Georgia and just kind of showing that 2.2 billion people in the world don't have safe water and what they're doing missionally to uh, ex- just provide water for, for people throughout these diseased areas so that they can share the gospel. Very powerful. But Scotty, Scotty, we were sitting there talking. He goes, uh, Cash, here's a crazy thing, because I asked him how many acres he had. He lives outside of Austin, Texas, and he was telling me. He goes, do you know that when those, uh, when the temperatures dropped in Texas this past December, January, or whatever, he said, and we stayed around 8 degrees, 12 degrees for days. He said, I lost 8,000 olive trees. He said, they froze. He said, they're no good. I'm going to have to go in and cut all 8,000 down. That I, last year, I got X amount of olive oil, and I got X uh, pounds of olives out of it. He said, do you realize 8,000 trees I've got to go in and cut down? And, 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 and Habakkuk is saying, even if all that we're counting on to get us through today fails, we're going to rejoice in the Lord. And for some of us, our current resources have gotten tight. For some of us, you really did experience a reduction in salary. For some people, you're stretched really, really thin right now. And it's been tougher than it's been in years past. And reality is, we're knocking on the door of summer. And AC cost, what are they going to look like? And, 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 and gas prices have soared for whatever stupid reasons. Again, stay away from political statements, Cash. Yes, sir, Lord. But a lot of people are looking going, hey, with the cost of living right now and with food prices and gas and AC, we have no money for vacation. And, and even the things that I was counting on have dissipated and for, for so many they're like, I just don't have much right now. And, and for some of you, you got laid off. And, and for some of you, 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 you do work for people and you've got customers that haven't paid you. I, I was talking to Neil and he was sharing with me a story years ago about this guy that owed him about $8,000 and Supposedly, this guy was in the concrete business only to find out that it was a front for all this drug stuff they were doing. And when they busted this dude, the cop showed up and said, we've got to take his car. It belongs to us now. But Neil had about eight grand in that. And I was like, but my dad did construction drywall. And I remember he would finish jobs and we were paycheck to paycheck family way back. And people wouldn't pay him. And there's people living in that narrative right now where, man, things are tough and what I was counting for is not there. And the question is, will you rejoice in the Lord? Because when we go through difficult times, it is a gift from God oftentimes to reveal to us, who are you trusting in? Where's your faith? Maybe your past reserves. Maybe your savings are depleted. When he says there's no sheep in the pen, no cattle, man, I have invested and poured into this animal right here, Jeff, and in the future, man, this is my savings right here. 
We're going to go to the butcher. These are my savings. I built this up. I've poured into it. Maybe the money you've invested in retirement accounts, 401ks, stocks. You've been scratching your head going, uh, what, what if everything I worked for and what if everything I've saved up is gone? What if I have to start over? Well, what, what does that look like? You feel the tension? That's what's going on. Some 700 years before Christ is born, when the, the Lord says, Habakkuk, I got I to prune this nation. I'm about to allow them to go through suffering. Is God pruning our nation? Is God exposing to us every day and revealing to us every day? Where's your faith? What are you trusting in? Who are you leaning into? Because our nation mirrors what was happening back in the southern kingdom of Judah when God speaks to Habakkuk and says, drunkenness, idol worship, murder, abortion, all this stuff is going on. I'm about to clean it up. I'm about to clean it up. So the question is, am I going to rejoice in the Lord? Because the fact is, none of us like going through hard times. I mean, none of us like standing in that line going, all right, this line over here, it's going to be about six months of hard time, adversity, and suffering. But reality is, suffering and adversity is a gift from God that purifies our faith and shows us where our true allegiance is. Nobody wants to go through hard times, but when we go through it, God can use that in a mighty way, John, to expose to us, what are you trusting in? What are you leaning into? And I I have to ask the question, is your hope in your financial security or is your hope really in the Lord? Because God promises us in Scripture, I love you, I'm going to take care of you, and I will provide for everything you need. Not won't, but I'm going to provide for what you need. So will you rejoice in the Lord no matter what? Because if, if we get gut level honest, the greatest treasure that I have is in Christ Jesus and him alone. It's not in my financial portfolio, it's not based on what the stock market may be doing, the Dow, whatever, the one thing that is consistent in my life is that God never changes and the Lord never fails. Where is my trust? What am I anchoring my hope in? Now, let me transition you. Oh, please read Habakkuk. Please become familiar with this little book, but please know, know this passage right here of Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. But all of that being said, I would tell you this. I believe it is absolutely essential that each and every one of us learn to practice every day biblical stewardship when it comes to our time, when it comes to our talents, when it comes to our treasures, Stewardship is crucial. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 4, let others regard us in this way. We are mere servants of Christ and we're stewards of the mysteries 
of God. And I can tell you, stewardship is absolutely essential, but it is even more important for when you're going through difficult times. If you're not a real good steward of, of what God has entrusted, you're going to get exposed. Now, here, here's a premise statement. Matthew, here's a premise statement. We are not owners. We are stewards. A steward was a person in that day that managed the business or the farm or whatever of the owner. So good stewards would would take what belonged to the owner, he would invest what belonged to the owner and see maturation and growth happen. He would advance the owner's uh, business. God is the owner. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness therein. We're just mere managers or stewards. Bad stewards would squander everything that belonged to the master. They were lazy or, or just slothful, and they would not advance. We are to be stewards of what belongs to God, time, talent, treasure, our bodies, whatever. Here's, here's a fundamental problem in our nation and even for so many people inside the church. The problem is, Brian, so many people view themselves as owners. I, I, I'm the owner. My money, my property, I can do with what, I, I can do whatever I want to do with what I got. It's mine. Now, let me, let me contrast you here just for a second. Here is an ownership mindset that is prevalent in our day. Owners, they will walk into church and they will ask this question. How much of my money will I give to God? There you go. It's my money. I got to figure out how much of mine I'm going to give to God. Stewards will go in and they will ask, how much of God's money can I keep for myself? How much of God's money? I'm just a steward. How do I manage what belongs to him? Now, I will tell you, it's wise to have enough to live on. It's wise to provide for your family. But it is not wise to live in such an extravagant way that we neglect advancing the agenda and purposes of our owner. Stewards, they're like, all right, how does this Put me in a position so that I can stay in the game and advance the purposes of God. Owners will ask, uh, do I want this? Can I afford this? Yeah, I can afford it. Then go for it. Stewards will ask, how will this purchase influence my ability to advance the cause and kingdom of God? Owners. Can you afford it? Then go for it. The culture we live in promotes ownership. Well, just go ahead and stockpile all your wealth here. You're you're an owner. No, we're not. Because just because I can afford something doesn't necessarily mean I should go get something. Doesn't mean that I should buy it. Because responsible stewardship will say, hold on, everything belongs to 
to the Lord. I can tell you stewards are consumed, are passionate, are locked in with promoting God's agenda. That's the mindset of a steward. Owners think, this is conversations I've had, owners think my money and my finances are my business. Don't you ask me any questions. Try having a conversation with a person and just ask them, hey, are you faithful and tithing plus? Are you a generous giver? Do, do you honor God with your wealth? The Bible talks about setting apart that first 10 plus. Or do you honor God with your wealth? They resent those kind of questions. They will fight you. It's like trying to take a bone out of a dog's mouth. Don't, 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 don't you go there. But stewards will seek godly counsel so that they can stay as faithful before the Lord as they can with God's resources. And the reason we offer classes like, I'm telling you right now, you want to talk about two issues that people don't normally talk about. Talk about sex one week and follow it up with money the next week. You are not, you are not trying to win friends and have cool associates around you when you deal with it. But these are two of the biggest stumbling areas I've seen even inside the church. And specifically this one right here with money. And the reason we offer financial peace, the reason we offer these classes is to sit down with people to go, hey, we want to help you get a God-style perspective when it comes to managing and stewarding resources. And we want to see you in a position to win, but we want to see you honoring God with what God has entrusted. And Steve is going to be in the Connect Center after the service today. And we're going to have a, a session in here Wednesday night where Steve Trailer and Drew and some of these other guys that have coached so many people up in this area, they're going to be doing a, a teaching and training in here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And I want you to be a part of that because some of y'all are in financial chains and you don't know where to go next and we, we want to help you, okay? So here's the mindset. There will always be things that I would like to do, that I cannot do, or that I will not do because it can hinder our ability to advance the kingdom of God. Now, we can cut up and, and play around with certain things, and why don't you go buy this, and why don't you go buy that? But when you start to commit, and one of the things we teach when you first start out is a 10-10-80 approach. You give the first 10, that's called tithing, we'll get to that. You save 10, and then you live on 80. But the goal is to get to a place where maybe you're at 20, 20, 60, or maybe you're even at a place where you're just giving it all away. I met with a gentleman last weekend, spent a couple days with this guy up in Tennessee. And uh, he said, you know what God has been putting on my heart? And he said, it may sound crazy. And I said, what's that? He said, I feel like when I retire here in a few years, God just wants me to, to drive around for a period of time and just give away a million dollars. And I, I was like, that don't sound crazy. That sounds like something God would tell somebody to do. Uh, that, that sounds very wise right there. And uh, I said, your heart, man, is, is to honor God and, and steward his resources. He goes, I feel like God is telling me here in a few years, just, just drive around and give away at least a million. Because I don't need anything and don't want anything. And I was like, that, that, that's right. And this guy makes a lot of money. So when we went out to eat, uh, because he makes a lot of money, we went to Roost Chris and sat down and had a nice steak. And no, we went to freaking Subway and paid $8 and he got a veggie sub with just some bread and some tomatoes on it. Why? 
Because we're not going to wait. Man, you got to quit going those areas right there, brother. So let me, let me give you some principles. Here's, here's what I know about stewards. Stewards give faithfully. Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and where rust, where thieves break in and stuff. Don't, don't, be, don't be stockpiling all this stuff over here on earth. You know, it's going to rust. You know, thieves are going to come in and rip you off. But, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And if you want your heart fixed on the things of God, then quit buying all this stuff here that demands so much of your attention and affection. If you really want to set your heart on the things above and treasure what God treasures, then, then travel light down here. You're not going to be here very long. Because reality is the investments and stuff we make here on this planet can tank in a minute. They can, but the investments in the kingdom of God will live forever and ever and ever. And even the scripture says that we will be recompensed and rewarded one day for the things that we've done to invest in the kingdom of God. So God calls us to give, live generous lives. The greatest declaration that we have of our faith is our generosity, whether times are good, whether times are bad, whether times are tight. Just keep giving. Let's let's live a life of of faithfulness. Why? Because that's, that's where your heart is. Your heart's fixed on me. Simplify, okay? So if you stockpile all your stuff down here, your heart's gonna be here. You're gonna focus on this. But when you focus on the kingdom of God, that's where it's gonna be. Now, how do you give faithfully? Here's a principle out of 1 Corinthians 16, verse two. Listen to this. On the first day, I would circle that in my scripture, on the first day of every week, and these were people that in that day they were compensated week after week after week. I know some of us are on, get paid every two weeks, some people get paid every month, whatever the first and 15th, whatever the, the number is. On the first day of every week, listen to what he says. He's talking to the church. On the first day of every week, each one of you, not just some, each one of you should, should, I, I, I circled that word when I was reading it. Each one of you should, this is a, how believers and followers of Jesus respond, should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, in keeping with his income. So on the first day of the week, this is called regular, consistent giving, and keeping with his income is proportional giving. Write those down, regular, proportional. Now, what percentage? Again, if you're starting out, Start at 10%. 10% is a good place to start. It's a bad place to stay. It's the floor, not the ceiling. A lot of people treat tithing as if that's the ceiling. I've arrived. No, 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 no. It's the floor. It's just where you're starting from, homie. You got it backwards. It's going to be all right, but that's just where you start. Because it don't belong to you, but we're creating these habits and patterns that glorify God. And Then what happens? Well, as God increases my income and as God increases my faith, that number starts to soar. When God starts to increase your faith, you'll start giving more. You'll live a life of generosity, okay? But here's where it goes, Blake. Is my heart set on the earthly 
or is my heart set on heavenly things? So give faithfully, which means regular, consistent, proportionate. God's not up there going, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm so ticked at y'all. No, no, he's going, I want you to learn my principles and ways so that you can experience the fullness of who I am. Stewards, second thing would be this. They, uh, they spend strategically. They're careful where they're spending. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on your guard against all forms of greed, against all types and kinds of greed. Watch out, be on guard. A man's life, oh, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You are not defined by what you got. You're defined by who's got you. That's, that's the, 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 the play right there. Watch out. Be on guard. Because a lot of people think that the more stuff I have, the more content I will be. But the fact is, having more stuff requires more time to be given to more things. And if you're not careful, you don't move into deeper contentment. You actually walk into discontentment because, man, I got all this stuff. And I'm telling you. It was so much more simple. It was so much more simple when I had a B2000 Mazda pickup back in the mid-80s. I had my little camper thing. I had the shag carpet in the bed. Come on. Threw my golf clubs in. I had a couple of bags of my clothing. It's time to roll. And we just rolled and cruised. And I'd come to faith in Christ and I could go to just pretty much anywhere I did. I'm good. Let's, let's, let's cruise. Let's go on mission trips. Let's do this. And then I walk out there now, and I'm like, okay, I got, I got my truck, and I got, I got this car that Barb drives, and then Hannah's got a car, and then Caleb's got a truck, and then now I got this dog, and then I got this garage door that I got to make sure the garage door is right because the spring's coming. The more stuff you have. You remember when you didn't have a yard, guys, and your wife didn't tell you to pull weeds because you didn't even have a yard? You just said... You were cruising. Do you see that the more you have doesn't necessarily bring contentment? And I think that's where this nation is. Acquire. Obtain more. And that's probably the reason that 2 Corinthians 11.3 is one of my favorite verses. I'm afraid that just as the serpent tempted Eve with all of his craftiness, I'm afraid that your minds would be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And that's the reason even Jeff and Jamie, as we talk about Benji and Grace, it's like minimalist. I'm like, I don't want all that stuff. There's something in me that absolutely loves how simplistic they're trying to do life. Your life ain't defined by what you got. It's not defined by how much you own. It's not defined by what you drive, where you live, your zip code. It's not. Your life is defined by how much you love God and serve others. And so so I think for all of us, it's like, do I need to make some adjustments to my budget and lifestyle? Okay. Here's another thing. Stewards save wisely. They give faithfully, 
They spend carefully and strategically, but they save wisely. Now, I've been pondering this proverb, chapter 6, the last week. And, and listen to this. Even the writer of Proverbs, many believe it's Solomon, he goes, take a lesson from the ants. That's what he says. I have been walking around in my yard, kicking ant piles, and just standing there looking at ants. Not killing them. I was at a ball game the other night, and I'm sitting there, and these ants are, all I've been thinking about is, take a lesson from the ants. The ants. You ever just sit there and watch ants? He tells us, let the ant become your mentor. <laughs> Go to the school of ants. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch ants. He goes, learn from their ways and become wise. Learn from an ant and become wise. Yes. Though they have no chief, though they have no ruler, nobody's over them saying, you got to get up and go to work. You got to get after it. They, they don't have this. They labor all summer, gathering food for the winter. I was reading this, Brian, and I, I have. I've just been watching ants this week. Learn from them. Slow down. All right. You work, you give, you save. You store. Why? Hard times. Winter is coming. Difficult times is coming. Why do you set apart? Why do you set aside? Why do you put this? Because difficult times are coming. And there's a lot of people that are not anticipating any type of storms on the horizon. Storms are coming your way. Storms are coming my way. Proverbs 22.3 says, a prudent person sees trouble coming. A naive person walks in blindly and they're clobbered. A wise person sees, oh, it's about to get tough. So here's what I would tell you. Practicing biblical stewardship every day will allow you to live with so much more freedom, peace, but yet so much more wisdom. Hard times are going to come to all of us, but be wise, build up reserves, and be shrewd. Obtain simplicity. Don't get overwhelmed. Moving toward the wrap with you, all right? So what are you saying? I'm saying you, you, you got to give faithfully. You got to spend strategically. You got to, but you got to save wisely. I would tell you this as we wrap. Trust God to meet your needs. James chapter 4 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And there's so many people that say, I just want to make it on my own. I am a self-made man. I'm not. I'm a God-made man. I, I, I realize, Tommy, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do it on my own. And even the people that claim that they don't need God's help, he goes, you do not have because you do not ask. Even the people that claim they don't need God's help don't realize that they need God's help because they wouldn't be alive if God hadn't put them here, and they wouldn't be alive if God hadn't given them breath, and they wouldn't be alive if God hadn't given them the talents and the abilities they have. So even the person who says they don't need God is a lie. They're a contradiction because the only reason you're here is because of God. But we have to swallow pride and go, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to take 
care of me. One of the biggest things in our culture is understanding the difference between what I want and what I need. God will supply all that I need. Even Paul, when he was writing, coaching Timothy up as he was going to pastor in Ephesus, he said, command those, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in their wealth. Why? Because it's so uncertain. Tell those who are rich, who's got this wealth, oh, don't you get arrogant. That stuff can be gone quick. Tell them to put their hope in God, who richly provides for everything that we need even for our enjoyment. So the, the thought process has to be, God will provide for me. God will not leave me empty. I belong to God. It might not be ribeyes. It might be spam. But at least I've got something to eat. Come on. And things bounce around on social media. What did you eat in the past that you would never eat today? People are like, buying a sausage, beanie weenies. I'm like, ha, 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 if you got hungry enough, you would. <laughs> if you got hungry enough, you would. Will you still eat them? Yes. Yes. Here's another great verse. I, I love this one right here. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6. He goes, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. He, did, he didn't say you can't have some money. He goes, make sure your character is free from the love of money because you'll manipulate and you'll rip people off and you'll do a lot of shady stuff if it's all about trying to make that dollar. Be, be, be. Tell them to find their contentment in Christ. Tell them to find their joy only in the Lord. So here it is. You may be and financial bondage, if you constantly argue with family members about money, okay, I've seen that one happen. You may be in financial bondage if you don't pay off your credit cards and debt immediately. You, you got some bondage going on there. I, I've got a friend that maxed out a credit card, and all of a sudden, they're looking going, my payback right now is 22% interest. I hope you enjoyed that wild prodigal adventure. Got to pay it off. Only way we use a credit card is you've got to pay it off every month. You never can let this stuff go to the next month. The only way I'm going to use a credit card, Barb and I, is that credit card better pay me some money. And that Costco thing will generate $800 thousand dollars a year in free food pay it off every month it don't cost a dime if you do it that way and you actually they'll throw you a bone they'll give you a little love most people don't do it that way that's why they're out there if you've got issues with credit cards get with Steve get with Drew and you might just want to cut them all up and start over but it doesn't mean that you don't owe the people that you owe Here's another one. You may be in financial bondage if you get past due and late notices and you ignore them. Just throw it in the trash. It'll be all right. Not the way it works. You, you may be in 
financial bondage right now if you spend money as emotional therapy. I know some people that do that. Well, I just had to buy this, and there's some hoarders. Come on, brother. People got more clothes in a closet and never have even taken the price tags off of them. I'm like, come on, you got some issues going on there. You may be in financial bondage if you do not tithe, but you've got 49 reasons to justify why you don't obey God. We got things in place. We want to help you. Get with Steve at the end, and uh, we, we will coach you up, whatever it takes, okay? Here's what I know. The promises and principles of God work. The promises of God in Scripture are legit. They never will return void. Trust in God. God is sufficient. The Lord is my helper. What can the stock market do to me? Right? That should, I mean, we should write our own, like, proverbs out. The Lord is my strength. What will the Tao do to me today? Nothing. Nothing. Because when we're dying, when we're dead and, and when we die, we can't take any, any of that with us anyway. Stop it. So no matter what happens, three things you can do. You can be joyful in the Lord. You can practice biblical stewardship. And you can trust God to meet your needs. And I pray that you press into that. We have a thing that we do called the 100-Day Giving Challenge. Those cards are in the Connect Center. Again, Steve will be there at the end. But what we say is this, trust God for the next 100 days. We use the Malachi 3 piece, but it's like, well, a man robbed God. How are you robbing me? You're not tithing. So we encourage people for 100 days, 100-day giving challenge. I am going I'm to trust God. What's God's response? I will open up the floodgates and bless you. What is our response? If God is not faithful, we'll give you all your money back. We don't want your money. We want to see you move into freedom and faithfulness to God. And if you've never trusted God in this area, sign it. Steve's got stuff. He will send stuff to you every week just encouraging you and pointing you with principles. Come on. Let's pray.